Hello, this is Jordan Young, and you're listening to This Is Ibrox, the Rangers podcast. Hello, and welcome to This Is Ibrox, the podcast, episode number 10. Um, good evening, my name's Scott Patterson. Welcome along to um, some good old Rangers chat for the following hour. I'm do- joined uh, tonight by fellow podders, Tommy McIntyre and Willie Boyd. Hi, guys, how are you doing? Evening, guys. Evening. So, guys... As always, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're going to talk about everything that's went on this week so far and, and the, the bits and pieces that went on sorry, towards the end of last week and, and indeed over the weekend. Tuesday the 12th of May 2020, I think, will be a, a historical day in Scottish football. Um, we obviously went for the, uh, the EGM requisition for the internal investigation, um, which was eventually rejected, certainly. However, Tommy, I'd like to get your thoughts on the, the overall purpose of that and how the, the SPFL are now going to be viewed on by, by the membership. Yeah, I, I think obviously it always sounds from a headline perspective if you put forward the resolution as Rangers, Hearts and, and Stringer did. Um, and important to remember that it was three clubs uh, and unlike some media outlets are reporting, it wasn't just one, one club. It's always disappointing from an outside perspective when you think you've put something forward and it, you know, it's been defeated, so to speak. But I think the wider exchange of fire, I think I've used that phrase before the previous pods, that was going on here was to highlight, certainly from Rangers' perspective, highlight the governance concerns that they had around about the SPFL, in particular the handling of the votes and some of the, the, the actors in the background work that was being done has a light being shone on that in a really public fashion. Yeah, it, it absolutely has. So much so that you've 13 clubs backing the resolution. Um, you know, that's almost a third of the membership. In no way, shape or form in any business or any walk of life do you downplay that. Uh, if, you know, a third of your membership is unhappy. You've got an unhappy camp. So from that wider culture change perspective, Rangers have done really well. Uh, so far, it's an art, etc. And we are talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. I don't think things can go straight back to normal just because the, the resolution was defeated. And I, I do sense we'll, feel, we'll, we'll find more things happening in the coming weeks. Well, there was a lot of statements made on the the lead-up to the the EGM on Tuesday. Um, do you think a lot of clubs came out particularly poorly during that whole saga? It's uh, a tough one. Um, probably not, I think, you know... A few kind of clubs, maybe, but it's a difficult one to kind of try and figure out where we're going to go next. I mean, a lot of kind of shouting and singing, you know, all about um, certain things, and it's just, I don't know. It's, I'm, as I said, every day this time of day in these podcasts are well over my head, but uh, I just hope we kind of get back to playing football soon or can find out you know, the the way it's all went wrong, like finding the wrong words here. But. I think the, the the thing that got me more importantly, and we, we, we kind of spoke about this previously, was the um, the way that Scott Gardner from Cali Thistle, and Cali Thistle as a club, um, I thought they handled themselves very, very well throughout the full process. I really did. I thought they were quite admirable, quite, um, they stuck up for themselves, if you like, for want of a better term or expression. Um, I thought that was quite impressive. Um, so I, I think that um, they've had to deal with a lot of nonsense at the back of it as well. The, 
the statement that came from Dunfermline was was quite quite alarming with the Dunfermline hierarchy suggesting they were speaking to them robustly uh, in a fashion that was from a Dunfermline perspective as opposed to the guy speaking from his own SPFL position of authority. Quite bizarre, Tommy. Sure you agree? Yeah, yeah. so I mean, uh, just for the, the listeners, uh, I'm definitely wearing my Rangers hat. Uh, at the moment, I'm not entirely sure how many bloody hats I have uh, <laughs> kicking about or how many hats the SPFL board members seem to have. Um, reminded of a, the thick of it quote, you, you know, schizo hat kind of thing going on. <laughs> not to denigrate anybody with uh, mental health issues, obviously. But well, it's, it's impossible. So there's a wider kind of lens here you take. If you start with the widest lens, as we touched on a minute ago, you're looking at culture change because you've got an unhappy membership in a member's organisation. Light's been shown on that tick. Yeah. Then you start to go into, well, what really happened here? Well, I think this is a simmering cold war that's been going on for some amount of time because people are unhappy with the way that the SPFL is beholden to certain club at the end there, because I'm pretty certain it's just the one. Um, and that, that flared up, that cold war erupted um, because of the steps taken by Rangers in terms of the dossier and somebody being willing to stand up to them. That's been a long time in, in the making because a lot of deep unhappiness, particularly in the lower leagues, about the way that the SPFL and yeah. to some extent the clubs in the SPFL, um, sorry, the, the SPL have, or the top league, I should say, railroaded them a wee bit. But let's concentrate on the SPFL board, for example. So there's a lot of unhappiness there and that's simmered up that, you know, that just been handed down to. It's obviously an unhappy country and an unhappy organisation and an unhappy league setup. So now we get to the end point where our light's been shown on that. We're having these conversations. It's quite clear that there's a, you know, a, dis, uh, a disquiet right, in the ranks. You can't say that review, sorry, that resolution for an independent investigation was a one and done stop because it doesn't actually answer the question. That question was about the handling of the, the votes and some other governance aspects. It doesn't take away the fact, and some clubs have been quite clear to say they did think there was a, um, a rationale for the investigation, but they didn't vote for it. Clyde, I'm, I'm looking at you, I suppose, when I, when I say that. Yeah. Um, you can't just walk away from, from that particular angle because there's still the structural issues, the actors are still in place, and the concerns are still there. So what's the, what's the next go-to for the SPFL? Nothing to see here. We put the cones out. Let's get back to football. That doesn't answer the question. Governance questions still remain, and that has to be worked through. We just happen to live in a very strange time whereby people think that this can all be lost over. It's not, it's not the case. Well, ourselves, Aberdeen, Hearts, and I believe Livingston were the fourth team in the in the top league um, to to sort of say yes, they, they wanted further action to be taken. I think it's a huge shot on the arm for the the investigation being taken ahead and um, the fact that Aberdeen and Hearts, I would argue that the next two biggest clubs in the country almost voting with us. I think it's the first time Aberdeen have ever agreed with anything they've done, certainly. But um, I think the fact that ourselves, Aberdeen and Hearts, have all sort of, sort of put our hands up and says, hey, we need to do a bit of a, a better investigation in this, guys, because there's just something not quite right. And if we think it, and there's nothing to be ashamed of. Let's just get it done. Let's do the investigation, park it if there's nothing to report, and get on with it. And then, as you rightly say, look forward to the football coming back. Absolutely. I'm surprised with, with some of the clubs that kind of help support our um, kind of calls voted in favour with us um, to get the kind of questions asked with the, 
inquiry, especially Aberdeen, as you said there. But um, all joking aside, it's good to have these clubs, you know, the, the, the so-called bigger clubs, kind of on your side as well. You know, that's three of the top maybe five clubs in Scotland supporter fan base anyway, um, wanting kind of action. I think the numbers behind it, uh, if I remember correctly, 27 against the resolution, 13-4. The two clubs who were extensions don't uh, deserve the respect of, of being mentioned because it was uh, an abstention is always just the lowest form of, of voting. Um, you know, make your mind up, stick by your principles, so to speak. That's a, a pretty big number. I think, you know, William's absolutely right. Uh, crises, or crises, I should say, and the right things being looked at make for really strange bedfellows. There was a time when I could not have imagined Aberdeen's board being yeah. in alignment with, with Rangers, for example. I think, by and large, a lot of clubs got sandbagged by the reconstruction um, conversation, which muddied the waters and all that. I think... In the cold light of day, Anne Budge will think she had the wool pulled right over her eyes. Yeah. Uh, and the FPFL and get, and get sold a dummy. I think there's a, a real, I said it before, there's disquiet, there was disquiet in the ranks. I think that rank hasn't went anywhere. It'll just still fester unless there's been, unless there will be a change of the people involved yeah. in the SPFL because I think it's based on some of those actors, some of their actions and their, the fact that it's quite clear the ball is certainly on the cost. I'm glad you mentioned um, Budge and, and Aberdeen, of course. I, I've actually felt the chap Cormac has been quite um, quite vocal throughout the full process. Um, and it's been good to hear from from almost someone else in Scottish football that hasn't been Rangers because too often it just became this sort of fight, if you like, between ourselves and the SPFL, despite our... Um, clear evidence that there was just there was a bit more to it than that. Do you know what I mean? It was it was something that was affecting the game as a whole. Budge is an interesting one. Um, she's been in and out of the press for for a good wee while, right throughout this full process, and she's the one that's been left with egg all over her coupon, without question. Yeah, I mean, you know, can get Williams thoughts as well? But I think so. I'm not just honing in on Anne Budge, who I'm sure is a no, good no. chairperson, but. I remember when she took over at Hearts, and certainly for me, don't know about you guys, don't know about the wider field, but she looked like a stand-up uh, business person. She was doing a really good job at Hearts, and she was leading the way. I think her reputation has taken a couple of big hits over the past, uh, let's call it 12, 18 months, whatever. Yeah. The Levine saga, yeah. when you know, you're part of the interview process and you get the gig. Right, hold on a minute. Um, and then fast-forwarding to, to, to this as well. And she made a very big play, a very big stance. And I think it comes from a good place. She wants to draw you know, the country together in terms of the football landscape. Perfectly. I think she's been surprised by some of the, the, the actors, again, in it and some of the actions and some of the politics to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do agree with your wider point as well, though, Scott, that it's nice to see people like Cormac and other clubs stepping up. Ultimately, though, where I'd probably uh, not disagree with you, but make the, the case again is unfortunately we live in a country whereby Rangers were the only ones that were actually seen as being able to be big enough or strong enough to lead this and uh, it's like when you go to a meeting in the office sometimes and you get people who are invited to the committee as opposed to the standing members there's always that um, people want to make a big voice for themselves, I think that's what Aberdeen have done here but ultimately it was always going to be on Rangers' issue. Can I pause there now guys hold on a second, hang on so, well, after the vote was announced um, yesterday afternoon, there was murmurs kind of late afternoon as, as to how it had went. 
and as Tommy's rightly suggested, 13 in our favour, 27 against, and, and two choosing to, to abstain. I think the the general reaction that everyone expected, Rangers fans certainly expected, um, was a, a really blusterous statement from the club, um, almost a bit of a scattergun approach. That didn't quite happen. Um, what did you make of the statement that was issued by the club? Uh, I was a little bit disappointed with it, to be honest with myself. Uh, it ended quite good uh, with the, the status quo cannot stand. I might yeah. have got that wrong, but I'm sure that's how it ended. But I mean, I always got the kind of impression, I was just saying to Tommy off, off further, um, that, you know, yesterday's thought, time recording, you know, the 13th of May, um, <laughs> it was just a case of getting, you know, seeing who was going to come on board with, with this kind of fight that potentially could end up in courts, I think. Um, yeah. And I was just going to gather and see who was on, on board with us uh, to take the fight to them and see if we can get this inquiry maybe via court cases. I don't know if that's the way it works, but, you know, that's maybe an expectation I hope the club can have. Tommy, scattergun approach, right or wrong? I think... Uh, not trying to read your mind there, um, and before I get into uh, being the, the pedantic uh, guy that I, I am, if that hasn't come across on previous podcasts, um, the last line was the status quo cannot hold yeah. uh, of, of that statement. Um, sorry, sorry, William. My, yeah, my sorry. Apologies, but I, just, uh, I was saying it in layman's terms, I think. I'll just quote things. It's easier for me because I don't have to think if I quote it. Um, so... Yeah, I was trying to read your mind there, Scott, and maybe some of the other uh, fans who are listening as well. I think scattergun approach was maybe a criticism of our previous uh, approach to communications and PR. And I yeah. think there's a more strategic and nuanced and clear vision um, from the from the, the statements and the way we go about them under um, David Graham and the new team, for example. That's not to say it's always right. Um, the Statement that came out, I think, tried to strike a couple of tones. I'm not entirely sure that you know I, I fully, fully agree with it or what it was trying to say. But I think this harks back to last week's podcast as well. In that there's only so much that can be said because yeah. you come out of a process. Uh, Rangers, Hearts, Stranraer, the other members of the SPFL who voted for it, the other members' clubs, might very well be still looking at options, and so you don't want to prejudice them in case it does end up in things like court or anything like that, or another requisition to remove individuals from the SPFL board. Um, so there's, there's probably a bit of soft trading there, so to speak. So I can understand that uh, the statement can't come out with all guns blazing, which we always yeah. love, but we have to do it right. Uh, I think they quite clearly hit on the fact that there was support across the, the wider leagues. Um, forgetting the numbers, everybody, somebody in every league voted for, for it. Um, and then... Highlighting again what the wider narrative from Rangers has been in this, which is a light's been shown on it. We're talking about governance. We're showing you what's wrong here. Um, and all Rangers and you know the other requisitioners were asking for with this vote was an independent investigation. That's all it was being asked for here. Yeah. I think there's more to come. Uh, and then highlighting some of the, the cultural aspects of it as well. So I think it's quite clear a, a significant number of lost confidence. Uh, members have lost confidence in the SPFL directors and the board. Will this go away? No. I would imagine Rangers and the other requisitioners and the other clubs who voted for it will be taking stock of the situation and there are options to take it forward. Do you reckon a vote of 
no confidence in Doncaster and McLennan in particular is, is coming perhaps with a bit of support from Aberdeen and Hearts? My, my personal opinion would be there, there will be some sort of votable confidence or further requisitions. Uh, the question you then start to get into from a, a governance perspective or landing these things is you probably start to cycle through how fatigued clubs and the public will get because a lot of this is hearts and minds. Yeah. In terms of the public narrative has to win. Hence why uh, other clubs are wheeling out um, rent a quotes into the mainstream media to denigrate every part of it or try and position it as a one club Rangers versus the, the entire league structure, um, which isn't quite true. Um, and by no means, shape or form is 13 clubs voting for the resolution. Um, that doesn't mean an overwhelming victory for it, uh, which I saw in one quote, which is just nonsense for anybody, anybody who can count. Um, so yeah, it just depends. You cycle through that and what option you take best in terms of not fatiguing people, but also the best chance of success. Then you also have to probably ask yourself a couple of questions around, do you go for a vote of confidence for everybody? Or do you put in a couple of requisitions and independently, sorry, um, individually take a vote of no confidence, for example, in Neil Doncaster, followed by a vote of no confidence in uh, Mudder, uh, McLennan, yeah. instead of wrapping them all up into one. Uh, so I think there'll, there'll be a couple of options in there, but do I think there'll be more resolutions? Yeah, I probably do, actually. Um, come in there, guys. Um, I've just noticed Stunra have uh, made a wee statement tonight and just to pick a wee bit out of it, as uh, they've said, um, I intend with the full backing of my committee to explore all avenues in order to redress with fellow like-minded clubs to achieve what I believe is righting of wrongs on so many fronts. And that was the chairman of Strunra, Ian uh, Duggan. Just it seems like they know that maybe other clubs are going to come in, support them with, with possible legal action or... I, I'd be interesting to know um, and whether there was any rousing speeches made at the end of the <laughs> afternoon or not is, is completely up for debate. But I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to know how many of the 27 that voted against were just actually on the verge and what made them think, no, I can't be asked with this, almost. Yeah, at what point does an investigation to make sure that we're doing things properly, at what point does that become almost something that's not worthwhile doing. I don't understand it. I, I genuinely don't. I, I completely get that. That's really interesting. Uh, it's an interesting point you make, Scott. It's, it's fascinating as well from uh, William reading out that that quote. So you would draw that, let's say, straight Ra Rangers statement saying that need for change will not diminish. I think Anne Budge had also made it clear that um, they, would, they would push ahead with court um, uh, proceedings because of the potential relegation and stuff like that. So there's a, there's a growing swell there um, as well. What I would say probably didn't get enough reporting in the press from my perspective, being the kind of governance person that I am, is this was a tight vote, right? Talking, I said it before, 13 for 27 against two abstentions, right? Very, I don't think I've ever seen it in, uh, in my role in, or in the corporate world or anything like that where a vote of no confidence, which is essentially what this was to a, a kind of bastardised extent, right? It was a vote for a, an independent investigation, but there was a lot of that. Well, the people being called into question, the vote, get to vote as well. Yeah, which is just truly bizarre, isn't it? Only in Scottish football. So what think, is that, six, six people? I think yeah. they account for, what, is it 14%, roughly? 
Like, well, you take right, six people out of there, right? And all of a sudden, that would become, let's say, 21 uh, for the resolution, sorry, against the resolution, right? And 13 uh, for. Then if you take the two abstentions and you play them out either way, all of a sudden, the actual pool and the percentages show you the real conversation in Scottish football. Because those members would never want to vote for them against themselves. So that's the story that has been consciously missed by the media in this country. Yeah, in terms of actually understanding what the landscape really looks like in terms of feeling. Well, you have to feel for um, Brora Rangers and Kelty Hearts over this full episode. They've been well and truly shafted, haven't they? Absolutely, yeah. And I think uh, some of their statements have been really kind of straight to the point, basically. You know, um, yeah. And I think uh, they'd even uh, kind of brought up uh, the thing. I can't remember exactly what Neil Doncaster said, but he said something about how the playoffs and their league relegation had. Uh, been cancelled or yeah. sorted, but that hadn't even been the case. So, yeah. um, I think they're going to kind of back by us fully. You know, it's just a shame that maybe the pyramid clubs didn't get a vote in the, the same was happening. Absolutely, I think Brecon are a, a, a prime example of having your nose in the trough, so to speak, aren't they? So they are they are marooned at the bottom of Division Two and uh, should be going down. Yeah. Yeah, the lost club in the full, the full 42 and exactly. uh, they're getting to stay in the leagues exactly um, so next steps for the SPFL are, are surely um, awarding a championship at some point this week you'd suggest certainly from my perspective I think uh, I think the, the SPFL will um, try to move as quickly as they possibly can to a position whereby they can uh, award the title and confirm the relegations and, and move on. It, it, there's obviously a, a really strong feeling that the SPL have reached. I'm not entirely sure of the the, the evidence to, uh, about how they've reached this, right, or what is really driving it. But they are willing to, and have been willing to railroad through a, a position of, we want this league finished so we can start the next one. Now, that's not mirrored across Europe or the world, and UEFA are still, you know, Format and some of their thinking around about some of that as well. We seem to be in a country whereby, not get this finished, get it done, let's move on to the next one because we've got a sky deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can understand some of that, including the commercial aspects, right? I do get that. Um, although it's hard to listen with, uh, well, with a straight face to Neil Doncaster talking about commercial aspects when they haven't been able to sort a, a sponsor for the league. Um, you know, such things as chief finance officers uh, have nightmares about. So, I, from a reputational point of view, I'm widening your question a wee bit there, to be honest yeah. with you, but from a reputational point of view, we're talking about the Sky team, the Sky have already signed it, right? so I'd imagine somewhere in the Sky's legal department, they've got a wee cheeky check on how quickly they can get out of that deal. Um, but no sponsor, a laughing stock from a governance perspective, potentially outside or not in alignment with uh, what FIFA or UEFA want to do, yeah. and then the potential for you know, they may hammer us as well. And I know there's a difference between what national FAs can do versus what UEFA and FIFA's remits are. But none of it looks good. And then you've got clubs at war with each other, at war with the governing body. The governing body seem to be parroting the single line all the time, members' organisation, whilst they shaft over members. Uh, none of that makes for a terribly happy, happy yeah. camp in terms of let's get a shiny new deal out for Sky and um, to start the season, it's 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 an absolute shambles. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, I think um, Ali McCoyst has been has been quite vociferous in his, his criticism of them, 
um, which has been good to hear. He's obviously doing it in all the right channels now as well. So um, everyone's clearly understanding just how ridiculous the full situation has become, Willie. Yeah, absolutely. That's a bit farcical, um, especially as Tommy said. You know that he's not even managed to attract a sponsor for next season. I feel like that's something that should have been done before this crisis even came about. Yeah. That should have been all tied up. You know, I think deals are like usually at the tail end of the season, like the year before the season ends. So, yeah. like, for Tom's sake, it should have been 2019. You would be tying up a kit deal. So, I'd imagine something as big as a league sponsor should be done roughly about the same time, if that's not right. earlier. Yeah. So. And that's the question, has, has governments of the SPFL, if, I'm, if I'm honest? He certainly gets no support for this as Ibrox, there's no question of it, none of no. the three of them do. Yeah, yeah, for that, I think there's, uh, yeah, I think there's a myriad of questions around Neil Doncaster in particular, and, you know, that bringing in sponsorship and, uh, and getting the league high profile is, you know, up there right front and centre with the remits of his role, you know, job description, you know, objective number one, keep the bloody league solvent. Um, which is probably, you know, pretty, pretty sharp. Uh, and he's not been able to do that. And, you know, one thing I'd probably just mention as well, and I know we've touched on this to an extent, but it's just worth mentioning that in his comments after the votes from uh, Neil Doncaster, he was talking about, you know, we have to come together, we need to operate in a democracy, and, you know, very clear what the, the steer has been from the clubs. Very, very important to absolutely reinforce here the vote that was voted down was on the request for an independent investigation over one singular uh, subject. In no way, shape or form, uh, by being defeated, has said that this is a happy camp and everybody's happy to get under uh, McLennan and Doncaster, etc., because they believe in their governance. Let's be very clear about that. No, I, I think that um, it's, it's, it's been a really embarrassing episode, I think, for Scottish football in general. Pretty horrifying. Um, some of the uh, tittle-tattle that's went on off the back of it and the, the thing that it takes me quite nicely on the next bit, um, Stuart Robertson um, went at pains on national media um, written and broadcast to state that this was not a, a battle between um, the, a gripe, if you like, that Rangers had with the SPFL it was more of a, an issue that we had as far as the general governance of the game in this year Stuart Robertson has, has spoken um, really well throughout this episode, I think, and, and falls into that um, category of us continuing that excellent board of, of directors that we have at the club just now, Tommy. Yeah, and I think I've said, uh, or written previously, uh, for this as well, that Stuart Robertson gets a really bad rap, right? And we'll put some of the personalised attacks on him to one side, which were pretty, pretty shameful by some commentators, ex-players uh, in the media. He pre presides over arguably the most transparent set of books in Scottish football, right? Rightly or wrongly, there's pretty much nothing that's, you know, hidden within the Rangers books. I mean, I'm not always happy about some of the numbers, but let's, you know, call a spade a spade here. Um, does that, he's worked tirelessly for the club and he's got this unfair tag and I've not seen any evidence of it, right? This unfair tag of being weak. I just think he's the kind of guy who keeps his powder dry and then does it when he needs to. He certainly didn't look weak in his, his statements. He certainly didn't look weak with the evidence that he had raised and within the minuted uh, board meetings of the SPFL. His concerns certainly didn't look weak by the fact that he was willing to then challenge an organisation he's a member of, a board that he sits on. Certainly doesn't look weak, uh, weak that he 
will be bullied to resign his uh, board membership early. That all seems really good to me. Um, do I think he should do more media? Yeah, I think it's probably one of his problems. He's not a he's not a fantastic visible site, and we as a club seem to like that from our chairman. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, hang over the David Murray years, to be honest with you. Um, sorry, you know, a bit a figurehead, I should say, not not chairman, because I know he's not, he's not the chairman, but we like a, a visible figurehead. I think he suffers from that a wee bit, but is he the right person? I I don't see anything that I would say that he's not doing his job. With. I think the the thing that I found particularly admirable was uh, the fact that he's he spoke out about the 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 board that he's effectively a member of. So he's he's our representation in there at the SPFL, um, and he he struck me as being someone who's quite prepared to let, leave no stone unturned, Willie, to get uh, not necessarily an answer that suited Rangers. Stress that, but to certainly get something that's going to suit Scottish football long term. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's kind of made some really good points as well. As Tommy was saying there, bringing up the, the questions that needed answered in front of a board he was sitting on as well, that, that's no weakness, you know. That's, that's a real power of strength. You can do stuff like that. It's, it's something that maybe we don't kind of give an awful lot of um, credit to, but I think he's kind of held himself really well uh, through this period because it has. It's been very difficult. I think as the as the week went on as well, we 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 kind of picked up on various little snippets of of his sort of press involvement um, that week. Saturday morning, I think it was, um, the the Rangers supporters woke up to to something to suggest that the vice chairman John Bennett had done something via the club. Now, I confess, John Bennett was someone who I knew as John Bennett. I had never heard them speak didn't really understand how passionate he was about Rangers. He was very much someone who I knew as, oh, that's John Bennett, and purely from seeing him in the director's box at the games. Um, goodness me, he really put himself in the map um, on Saturday morning with his speech to the club media, don't you think? I think that's, uh, yeah, that's probably underplaying it there, to be honest with you, Scott, but I, I completely agree. I think sometimes we get, um, we get, we get lost, uh, listen, again, uh, I've got time to do this on this podcast, but it's a wider societal thing that, and I, I suffer from it as well. I've just, I've just said it two minutes ago, so I'm not claiming to not be a hypocrite because I quite fully am. Uh, that we expect everybody to do everything publicly, really quickly and really strongly, right? But actually, you guys all know from your, you know, your private lives and your professional lives, same as me. Not everything can be done up front, and things take time and conversations need to be had. I have much more respect. Uh, and anybody I think who has a, a reasonable brain has more respect in the long run for people who take their time, get it right, say it once, than people who make a hell of a lot of noise, flip-flop on their position because they'll do whatever they're, they're paid to say. Yeah. Again, mainstream media talking heads, I'm looking at you. And, you know, just are willing to, willing to do anything to get, to get their shekels. Now, I like the way that Rangers, by and large, are governed. Again, I have some criticisms of them. I'm sure we can touch on it, you know, later dates, same as everybody else. Then there's something we can do better. Um, but do I like the way Rangers are governed in terms of we have prepared our ground, we've got evidence, and then we've come out. Now, you know, if we just take this, this example, Rangers did a lot of work on the evidence. I actually produced a dossier. None of this we have evidence and we're not going to show it to you or we've got some allegations or whatever. Rangers did all that. 
Ben was part of that, the PR machine was part of that in terms of putting that narrative out there as well. Here, here for Rangers on, on some of that because that's the way that a conversation should be had. Turn up with facts, turn up prepared, state your case, that's it. And Willie, he, he kind of, he, he spoke, uh, one of the questions that was put to him, um, which is something I've really just covered, he, he, he was, was asked if Stuart, Rob, Stuart Robertson's role within the SPFL um, was almost going to become untenable to to carry on and move forward with. Um, he was very quick to say, no, why should it? He's ultimately looking out for all of us as opposed to just Rangers. He's looking out for the good of the game. Um, I thought it was really admirable the way he spoke out for his fellow board members. Yeah, absolutely. It's the first time I've ever actually seen him as well. I wouldn't have known who he was or yeah. what he looked like you know, beforehand, but I thought he came across really well in the interview uh, that he'd done for Rangers TV, wasn't it? Papers, yeah. um, and uh, as you said there, he, he's came across really well. He's answered you know, the con- uh, conversation, question, every question has been asked him. And uh, he's kind of back to Stuart Robertson to keep going as well. So Yeah. Tommy Douglas Park, um, the acting chairman, um, done a, a Q&A very detailed Q&A, you would have to say. Um, some of the answers in there were really, really enlightening as to how Rangers have dealt with the process, populate the dossier, which you've mentioned. Um, there was a lot of real positive points, um, including things like um, money's okay, investment is, is still very much something that's, that's on our radar. Um, Everything, regardless of what's going on just now, from a, a sort of COVID and a, an SPFL type environment, from a club perspective, financially, everything does seem to be hunky dory just now. Yeah, uh, and I think yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. It was a really good Q and A. Uh, I really like that setup as well. I think Rangers should do more of those types of things. It's a really good, uh, really good addition to the, the kind of PR stable. Uh, some really good lines in terms of uh, next time someone sits down and has a Q&A with himself, um, <laughs> which really for me as well. Um, you do I think that, uh, and I'm, I'm not, I don't think this was actually the, the point of your question, but I will answer it anyway. Do I think that uh, Douglas Park has done enough to cement himself in that job full time? Oh, well, let's all be let's all be quite clear that's a yes. Um, so yeah, he's doing a great job. I like the synced up nature of the way that the club have approached this. It doesn't look as if departments are doing things on their own. There is a clear strategy here. And it was really good to hear the club, or hear uh, Douglas Park touch on the way that we have went about this. And it's really important that people are aware and realise Rangers have done everything in terms of that dossier, their original resolution, coming back to the table, uh, and the, the requisition that came in recently by the book, by the article, you know, we have done everything by the book here. Yeah. And then touching on the, the the finances, so yeah, Rangers are in uh, weirdly enough, it's uh, it's in, uh, inverted uh, at the moment. So previously, people were saying in the media, for example, Rangers are based on soft loans that you convert uh, into shares, or whatever, which dilute the share pool. And they need the money to keep the lights on was the, was the phrase we kept getting battered over the head with, right? However, right, now it's also the the same people who are saying, you've got wealthy benefactors who you're happy, you know, who are happy to keep you afloat, yeah. who can back that up. And you've got investment which has just been held off right now because that's the global economy. And nobody should have a concern with that, right? But that's still a bad thing. 
Whereas nobody is looking at, let's say, clubs within the, the, the SPFL who are publicly listed. Now, share prices are tanking left, right and centre. Yeah. And the market's no place for sentiment. So clubs are having, as, with businesses, lots of money wiped off the balance sheet on a daily business, uh, basis. Nobody's looking at that. Whereas Rangers seem to have, quite clearly, money in the bank. It's just another people's banks, but they're willing to plug it into Rangers. We can keep our lights on, no problem. So, aye. So much for uh, going busting in any admin. I don't know if it's admin 2,945, but um, I, we didn't actually have a very strong position that way fiscally because we have that backing. Now, yeah, anything could happen in the global economy, right? The markets could continue to still go down. Other people's businesses are affected, cash flows, whatever, right? We live in a strange world. But it's weird that the same people don't seem to be highlighting other things and they're just consistently sticking to the narrative that Rangers don't have money even the people who are in Rangers who have money, don't have money. Rangers can't have any money. Right, we hear that they're selling the chairs in the stadium and the gas is, the gas that they've put down is, is on tick and they're paying for it by a monthly basis and they're putting 50 pences in the meter to keep the lights on outside. So it's just absolute nonsense with absolute no veracity and nobody doing any research. It's yeah. a symptom of our game, to be honest with you, in our media. That's my impassioned Ran. I'm glad you mentioned that because what I was going to say there, I think one of the main problems we do have in the country um, is that approach that's taken by the media, the, the, the need to burst into print because of things they're hearing from taxi drivers or things they're reading on Twitter um, and it suddenly becomes a story and, and it must be really frustrating for the club when they are having to ultimately answer these questions as just being utter tosh. I, and just before William jumps in, if I can just answer one wee bit to that as well. I think people need to also remember that as a club and with all the checks and balances and all those types of spurious nonsense that comes out, they cannot, should not, will not respond to every single story because that would just be nonsensical and illogical. You know what I mean? It's only the big fights that a club should fight. Uh, everything else, let's leave that to the gutter press and the scrabbling rats. Indeed. Willie Doogie Park, surely the new chairman. So yeah, yeah, he's, he's, I think he's come come across quite well in his statements and he's uh he's done anything. I think it's just statements and put in the, the written press, but uh, I think he's came across quite well. Obviously, maybe some people will see maybe the the, the vote um, on Tuesday is kind of you know a week kind of mark and he's um, kind of CV if you like, but I think it's something that I think the full club of as I said earlier, hopefully taking into consideration and just wanting to see who was going to come on on board. I'll stick with you just now, Willie. We've we've seen in, in recent weeks, and a lot of it's been driven by the, the pandemic that we're experiencing just now, but we, we've seen the the really good output from Ross Wilson and, and James Bysgrove. Um, we've also had, as I say, the, the, the commentary recently from Robertson, Bennett and Park. I feel as a supporter, I don't know if I will go to Willie first and we'll come back to you, Tommy. I think those five guys are real... They're coming across as real leaders in their field, and I, I think the support can be quite proud of the guys that we've got in charge at the club right now. Absolutely, and just to, to say about James uh, Bisgrove, I think he's it was at FIFA or UEFA, um, one of them two, in a really high up commercial position. So I think he's bringing a lot of contacts, a lot of great ideas as well. That he's maybe kind of came across certain people that can help us as well, kind of grow the brand back to the way it was uh, before, obviously 2012. Yeah. Tommy, same to you. I'd, I mean, I'd, I'd just suggest we've got guys with real balls behind them now at the top of the tree. 
Yeah, probably a really good way to put it uh, in terms of, you know, you, you want to get the best executive team you can get in there. And we certainly seem to have a team that are uh, top of their game, top of their field, respected, and ultimately we can see the proof in the pudding. So if you actually see results, then that's always the that's always the way to go. Um, I, I'm, I'm really pleased to, to see what we've got going on there. I'm really pleased from what I've seen uh, from the likes of Ross Wilson, and James Bisgrove, uh, in terms of they've got a good CV, and they seem to be delivering immediately. I mean, I, I still think you know Ross Wilson probably didn't get the kudos get, getting Ross Wilson in the door didn't get the kudos it deserved. That's Absolutely. a big coup. Yeah, so this guy was getting chased by. He wanted the you know, his Premiership club didn't want him to leave. Other Premiership clubs were in the conversation. Some European clubs were in the conversation. He decided to come here. All right, all right, albeit knocked his back before, right? So that'll always be a black mark against his name from me. I will look on this occasion. Um, you know, that's a really big coup for the board. You know, and let's be and let's be really honest with that conversation as well. We're getting these guys in because we're we're selling them on the club, the support, and the vision. Because we're not paying what they could get elsewhere, right? That's just a full stop. Right. Anybody can read the accounts, we'd know that anyway, but we're not paying what these guys would have been able to get elsewhere. Right? There might be some benefits in there in terms of if we win stuff, but that's all kind of nuances. So this is a vision and wanting to be part of the club, and I think that's the difference. The people who are here right now aren't coming to the end of their career, aren't just starting their career, can't, you know, aren't just can't get a job anywhere else. They are in their prime, and you know, I'm talking about them like players, right? But they're in their corporate prime. And they want to be here, they've bought in here. Yeah. See, when you get that, I think you get success. And I think, just to add to everything, I think the people we've had in the past have uh, kind of been, in a way, wanting to asset, uh, asset strip everything to an extent and make a quick buck for themselves, you know, like with the kit deals. That was a farce for the off, as been proven, you know, through courts and whatnot. Eight year deals or 10 year deals. And yeah. so they're getting pennies for, for strip sales when. In the past, we're making millions off it, you know what I mean? I think we're the, heading in the right direction, definitely. Absolutely, 100%. I think from from my perspective, from a, a football operations point of view almost, I think it's quite clear. You've seen um, Stephen Gerrard. I can't believe we've got 40 minutes in the first time we've mentioned our manager now. Um, anytime you've seen him speak or indeed Ross Wilson um, webinar, they've been really quick. They, they, they refer to each other in their chats. So it's quite clear that there's there's regular communication going on between these guys. I with under the previous director of football, I'm not sure Stephen Gerrard would have been speaking in the same way about him as he does about Ross Wilson as far as communication etc. is concerned, Tommy. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There is a there's a real feeling across the club, uh, and you're you're right. I can't believe we got this far. And uh, <laughs> um, it's not as if he's a commercial drawer in that. Indeed. <laughs> Uh, I can just imagine that phone call to uh, James Brisgrove if he wasn't aware already. Well, we think we've got quite a bankable manager. Who is it? Stephen Gerrard. Right, I'm, I'm in the car and I'm, I'm, on, I'm on my way. Here we go. So, yeah, it's really bankable. But you do get that feeling. It's almost like, and I'm trying to draw the analogy to uh, to the playing squad as well because we, we, all, we all understand that. It looks as though they're all playing the same formation, they all understand their roles, they all understand they're part of a team, and the club's working on that basis, and nobody's deviating from the plan, which, yeah. again, if you've got a singular vision, and you can stick to it in any walk of life, 
and you've got a clear message, you will ultimately be a, a success. Um, I mean, I know some smart Alex would say, right, okay, your singular message can be, you know, something terrible, but <laughs> I'm not going to go into that. Right, what I mean is, if you're not signing off the same hymn sheet, it becomes a hell of a lot easier to progress. And Rangers have made really significant strides in a really, from a business perspective, a really short space of time. I think so, yeah, from... I'm just coming in. Sorry. No, Sorry. Willie, on you go, carry on. I just uh, to come in there about the, the previous director of football, I always found it absolutely bizarre how he was always in the touchline or... You know, the, the, was it UFA, I think, that springs to mind? The players are on there, and Gerard in there, getting hands in the air, celebrating, and then you see him there as well, doing the exact same thing. I was just thinking, that's it so was, bizarre, you know, it was... It was bizarre, that. It was such a strange thing to do, I felt, especially being in that position. I, I felt like he should have been upstairs somewhere, kind of out of sight. I think the the the, the fact that we're, we're doing the things now, and, and Ross Wilson has brought a, a freshness, um, I often thought that the, the previous director of football was almost just a, a football manager type guy. So he'll, he'll go away at night and he'll look at all these guys that he's got an imaginary regen scout looking for and <laughs> we'll go and sign him for for the, the manager in the morning type thing. Genuinely, I, just, I don't think we, we got um, nearly enough out of him. And now that Ross Wilson has came in, I think it's abundantly clear the difference in the way the club's going um, the, the webinar things that are, are out just now are, are a, a prime example of that. I just don't believe that the previous guy would have had the, the sort of the noose to, to pull all that together. I, I genuinely don't, Tommy. I don't know if you agree with that. I agree with, I, I agree with that. What, you know, I don't know if we should highlight this as a, a special um, podcast because I'm going to disagree with you, Scott. Which oh, wow. Is, uh, it's I know. A first. First. I wish well, I don't, I don't wholly disagree with you. Let me roll back on some of that, right? I disagree on some of it. Um, and before I get into that, though, again, just to come back, James Bisgrove was the, you mentioned it, William, he was the head um, of sponsor partnership management team, um, marketing the AG, and that's the agency behind the UEFA club competitions. So that's where he was. He was, he was that high level. So every time you saw a sponsor any attached to any UEFA competition, uh, he was he was your that was that. So that opens up, you know, anybody could can tell how many markets that opens up to us and potential sponsors. So that's not your question though. Your question was was around about something else in terms of Mark Allen. I, I do agree that I think Mark Allen made some uh, mistakes, significant ones, particularly on the player recruitment side, right? And I know there's checks and balances analysis and all that stuff in there. I also don't think he was as open to the media as maybe Ross Wilson is. You're absolutely right. I totally agree with all that. And again, yeah, I'll change the, the word in here. It's not that I disagree with you. I just think there's a wee bit of caveat in that Ross Wilson's come into something that's been essentially at least the foundations are built. Mark yeah. Allen came into nothing. Exactly. And so uh, there's a lot of things behind the scenes, putting in the analysis team, putting in the, some of the recovery things, changing some of the setups putting in the scouting network that Mark Allen, you know, had to do. And I think there's some sections of the report, I'm not, uh, sorry, the support, I'm not being critical of you here or anybody else, right? No, no. I think there's a revisionism sometimes with Mark Allen, maybe because the way he left, it was quite abrupt and there's a feeling that it was, it was unhappy. We don't need to be too revisionist here. Mark Allen did a reasonably good job of getting all those foundations built. That's my take. I just feel like we've got some day where we're a wee bit more class can I say that you know because I've seen a couple of stories in the past when 
he was turning up music apparently in, in dressing rooms and trying to rub it in when we had good results. I don't know how true they are, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's that's what I've heard. Well, Joe, weird, it's weird you say that, right? I've heard that stuff as well, and maybe this ties back into Scott's point about being a football manager. Maybe somebody just thought they were a football manager, yeah. and we'd be closer to the action than they actually were. You yeah. know, just stay in your lane. Um, I do agree with you. I think Ross Wilson seems like a step up. Um, and you need to remember as well, I think this was Mark Allen's job was different from the one he had, for example, at Man City when he was, I think he was head of academy. Yeah. yeah. Then thrust into the limelight as being you know, a really high profile top, uh, sorry, um, uh, director of football position. That was his first gig like that. So, I, you know, I'm not being overly critical of somebody doing a new job and not getting it right first time. Um, you know, if my bosses happen to be listening to this, uh, I think there's many of them that'll be nodding sagely. <laughs> um, but I, so I, all I'm saying is, I, I agree mistakes were made, and you know, Ross Wilson is actually a better, you know, he's an upgrade. But with a bit uber critical of Mark Allen in terms of what he walked into, I'm not entirely sure I would. The personality stuff aside, that William points out, because I, I, I hear there was some of that as well. Yeah. Do I think from a a, a football perspective? I think we're, we're quite clear. I don't think that we agree that the football season now isn't going to finish. Is that fair? Are we, are we, are we suggesting the, the ball's burst as far as this season's concerned? William, you can take that one. I'm going to go back here. Um, on you go. What was that? You know, I thought it was finished, but after, I'm sure I've seen it, but none of you guys have. So we spoke about it off air. Syria A was apparently voting that they were going to come back and I mean, we are two weeks behind them. I think the only thing that could stop us coming back is the contract situation. I think yeah. in Scotland, it's um, the 10th of June that contracts run out. And I don't know if we're able to get some sort of uh, maybe deal in place with UEFA or whatever to get that extended. I don't know how the clubs can fund it because they'd be struggling for money and stuff. And obviously, players are obviously still getting paid now, but um, well, some in probably furloughed. But I don't know. I think there is a chance it could come back, especially if Italy, who were absolutely ravished with the with the virus as well, um, can get back so quickly, so to speak. I suppose it just depends on um, what our government say as well. Tommy, would you think? Um, yeah, I was too busy listening to, to William's point there to actually think of my own. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think we'll be struggling to see any football played that is attributed to the 2019-2020 season. Uh, I sense that we're looking at football for 2021 season is the only thing that we'll see next. I, I just can't see how it's logistically possible to get the league finished. I've seen um, Gary Neville speaking on, on television this morning. Sky do a, a fantastic football show in the morning. Um, we uh, our very own Graham Souness on every other day. Great view, I fully recommend it. Um, Gary Neville suggested this morning that he, I'm, I'm sure he'd heard something that um, if the coronavirus is, is so contagious that you can get it if someone's close enough to breathe next to you almost. If that's the case, um, and Gary Neville was really quick to point out that football just can't even be considered for, for restarting again anytime soon. Um, I personally don't think it, it, it will start again. Um, if, if it was to start again up here and Rangers came back, it would certainly top Helicopter Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> no, like Coronavirus Tuesday. Um, 
Aye, listen, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't understand how... So, depending on what statistics you look at or where you are or whatever you're listening to, right, you could be looking at social distancing measures in the UK, or some level of social distancing measures in the UK for up to 12 months, right? And that's 12 months from this point, not 12 months from when this started. Yeah. You're looking at a significant dip in people's income. You're probably looking at a quarter, what are we, for me, aren't we? Uh, yeah. quarter, three, quarter three GDP drop of um, gross domestic product. Um, drop of maybe circa 28 to 25%, I think. Inflation will rise, so there might be some quantitative easing from the Bank of England or the Central Treasury. Well, those two are the same things, actually. Um, and then you're looking at unemployment could hit somewhere, you know, seven to nine million, something like that, right? And that's before you work through it. So those are societal upheavals. And people are worried about getting football back so they can, I think, by and large, satisfy uh, TV sponsors. Yeah. Um, so... You know, the world's going to change, right? And some of that's spurious. I'm not saying all those figures I just gave there are absolutely solid. Those are my just, just my take of some things that I've, I've read in the public domain. And then you look at some of the specific things you speak about there, which are, you know, if you look down south at the moment, you can go back to training. You shouldn't, you know, try and travel together. If you, you, if you can travel by car yourself, this is the players, then do so. But you're, you're allowed to play football, which means you're going to be in contact. Sweat is no longer seen as being a way to transmit, according to this. And if you go in for a tackle, turn your head the other way. That was one of the, one of the great things. That's, I'm genuinely not making that up. When you go in for a tackle, face your head the other way. So you're getting in, you're sliding in for a challenge, right? You're looking the other way. Because you're not looking where your feet are going, you rattle someone's leg and you end their career. Yeah. But it's okay, they didn't call from my general direction. These guys are human and women, right? The same rules apply to the, uh, the women's game. These are professional athletes with families and they're human beings. Yeah. They should not be forced back onto the pitch by any way, shape or form. There's a bigger conversation here. Yeah, absolutely. Can you imagine Mark Hately or guys like Butcher or Goff turning their head away? <laughs> or 50 -50? I'm pretty sure it's one of the reasons that I wasn't scouted when I was younger. <laughs> Ah, you're closing your eyes as well, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, I know. The <laughs> uh, lesson guy. I think I still do that when I head the ball, to be honest with you. I think I'm still doing that. I close my eyes when I'm doing that. When I, when I um, played football when I was younger, I, I wore glasses all the time. And there was more than a couple of times I took the ball flush in the face. And I would come home and my glasses would be cracked down the middle or a bit of a leg off. Um, and it was not necessarily going for a header, just people throwing the ball at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so listen, guys, um, that's been a, a great chat tonight. I just want to cover one um, feature that we're going to be introducing over the coming weeks. We're going to be um, introducing the My 11 feature. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to open up the, the floor to all of the guys and ask you to pick your um, best 11 of, of players that you've seen for Rangers. Um, and what we'll do is we will get you on the pod. You can break that 11 down into whatever formation you please and why you've picked certain players um, over others. For example, you're playing three at the back and you want two guy in the middle of the three. Um, it's entirely up to yourself. We, we will we'll cover it. Um, Willie, I believe you're hit for next week. We'll all have a go and the full intention will be to, um, to introduce it to, to the uh, people looking in if they want to to put their mile of into to us we'll, we'll read it out and um probably slaughter it in the first instance to be brutally honest with you 
So I was going to say, I'm, I'm looking forward to all the hate comments. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's what I, was going, I was just about to say there, Scott. Just remember, I'm young. <laughs> uh, you the puns there, Scott. I don't care who you choose and whether I agree with it or not. You are getting it, right? Well, <laughs> the thing about it is, it. I, I, I think um, it's easy to think about maybe a, a, a really, really good right back we had um, or a, a really, really good left back. I'm, I mean, there's no doubt that you, Tommy, and I'm looking at you right now, you're certainly going to have some discussion with Martin over David Robertson and Arthur Newman. That's a one-sided discussion. It's just about bringing Martin to the position of under- <laughs> um, you know, Do you know, there's one, anybody listening, you know, get in contact with us on Twitter. I am wholly in the Arthur Newman camp, and Martin, for some reason, I don't know, you know, trauma or something like that, seems to still believe that David Robertson is better. There you go. There's your debate right up. William, I'll be watching intently for how you do this. <laughs> I have already thought of a few surprises. <laughs> so, Willie, you're on that for uh, um, next week. I think just as a, a, a wee recap, um, this week we, we've managed to post interviews with uh, Dave McPherson, Stephen Purden um, from, from uh, River City gave us a, a wonderful interview um, last weekend. I know that Tommy and Willie have been working on some real exciting exclusive chats um, as recently as um, Wednesday afternoon. Uh, we... Fresh off a back-to-back interview. So, um, <laughs> no, you can't, but they're, they're all really, really exciting chats to have and, and guys that have, have brought a lot of good, um, good discussion to the pod. Um, don't forget, you can get us on our usual places via Twitter and Instagram. It's at This Is Ibrox. We're on Facebook, This Is Ibrox, if you're on there. Um, and you can always um, visit our site, www.thisisibrox.co.uk. You can get all the podcasts and all the stuff we've done historically on there right now. If you're looking for some nighttime reading or listening, some of Tommy's tones, quite pleasant. Scott and I know you're doing a, a wonderful seamless job there as you tail down to the end of the podcast but I just have to ask William, um, sorry to sandbag you with this but I've been speaking to you know, the members organisation in the background and I want to table an immediate resolution here uh, Martin Douglas out Scott Patterson in right? <laughs> <laughs> do this transparently out in the open send me an email, I might not receive it right <laughs> Martin just sent me a message of a slightly different kind. Um, but one for us to mull over. Do you know what? I'll do a statement later on and I will put that out. Uh, maybe at a minute um, about what we think. Get Anne Budge involved as well. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? For goodness sake. <laughs> Tommy, Willie, thanks for your time, mate. I really appreciate it. We'll do it all again next week. Thanks for joining us. Fantastic. Thank you. Cheers, guys. If bluebells sang like church bells rang, fight fire with fire, we're not letting go. When songbirds sing, spread out.